Well, good morning. My name is Kyle, and uh, we today want to talk about why we do what we do. But before we lean into that, I want to speak into the scary evening that a lot of us shared last night at the Salt Bowl. Uh, I was there. My two oldest boys were with me. We were sitting on about the 40-yard line, and we noticed a stir in the far end zone. And we didn't know what was happening like the rest of you. And uh, we looked around, and some people had decided to lay down flat between the bleachers, uh, not knowing what was going on, lots of, you know, um, words being said. And we were able to actually slip out quite quickly and get out of the stadium and uh, be to our car really quickly. And I know that's not the case for many of you and many others. But here's what I know we did. As soon as we got out of that stadium, I told my two boys who I had a tight grip on their arms, and once we got out into the cars and felt like we were somewhat to a level of safety, not knowing what was going on, I said, you guys just pray out loud. And my two boys just began to out loud uh, pray and ask for safety for the many that were still in there, uh, safety for the many law enforcement that were not running away from the chaos, but were running into the chaos. And I know some of you are in this room right now who went running to it and your law enforcement. We say thank you to you. And we say God bless you for your courage and for your protection. And um, I know a lot of you spent a lot of time praying last night. It definitely was a moment where it didn't matter anymore whether you're wearing blue or maroon, right? It was a moment where you wanted everyone safe. And as a believer, my mind immediately went to, I want everybody to know about Jesus, because in Jesus I have hope, and in Jesus I've got a future. And so even as we talk about today, why we do what we do, it was on my mind last night. Why we're doing what we do as believers is so they can have the same hope that we have. My mind quickly also went to Psalm 121. It's going to come on the screen there for you. Um, it says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? Verse 2, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And I got to tell you, it was a great Great peace that overwhelmed me last night as I knew I had a help to turn to. That I had someone who created, started, and sustains everyone and everything to turn to for security last night. And I know a lot of you, uh, last night may not have been your night of chaos and you weren't there, but there's a lot of you in this room that every day right now, because of your health or the health of a loved one or things going on in your life right now, there's chaos. And you feel every day the way many of us felt last night not knowing where it's coming from or what's going to happen or what's going to be next. And so I just feel it's very appropriate with last night and with many of you facing struggles in your life for us to do what I know we do often, but we want to take time to do it together this morning and just pray and ask God for his help, for his strength, for his protection, for his healing for some of you, and for his blessings that only he can provide. So would you join me as we pray? Father, we bow before you this morning. We're so thankful that we get to call your name and that we know through the work of Jesus Christ and our faith in him that you are hearing our voices and our prayer that's being prayed this morning and the prayers that were prayed last night and all the prayers that we are praying constantly in our lives when we are desperate for you. We are thankful that you are always there. Remind us, God, that even in this moment of safety right now, we are desperate for you. We need you when things are scary, and we need you when things seem good. We need you, God. We thank you for being there. We thank you for being faithful. 
We thank you that there wasn't more uh, to last night than what it was, even though it doesn't take away from the scariness and the reality of um, effect it had on some and the injuries that may have been incurred throughout all of the the confusion. Uh, But Father, we thank you for being with us. Father, I pray for those that are still feeling fear and anxiety as a result of that experience last night. I understand And so I just pray that you would wipe away our fears. Your word tells us that you've not given us a spirit of fear. And so remind us that your spirit lives inside of us, and you've given us one of power and of love and of a strong mind. And so I pray that you just give us that attitude right now in you. Father, I pray for those that are facing chaos in their life every day as a result of situations or health issues in their life, and they're wondering what's next. They're wondering if it's going to be a good report or a bad report. Father, I pray that you'd just show yourself faithful and strong in the midst of their storm, in the midst of their chaos. Father, I know there's a lot of people that are in this room that I pray for every day by name, and I'm asking for your help, and I'm asking for your healing on their life, and I pray right now that you just show yourself strong and mighty in this place, in this hour, in this moment, and you would strengthen them. God, we love you, we trust you, and we need you, and we're so thankful that you're there for us in every time. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. So we want to talk this morning about why we do what we do. I want you to open your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen for you. And also, you should be able to find a Bible underneath a chair in front of you somewhere there. And we'd love for you to open God's Word with us and allow it to wash over you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 11, and we're going to just very fluidly go through these verses of Scripture and allow them to speak into our lives as individuals and our lives as a church and thinking about why we do what we do. Um, The writer, his name is Paul. We talked a lot about him in the book of Acts. He was kind of a central character in the book of Acts. And again, just as then in the book of Acts, now it's not about Paul, it's about Jesus, but he's writing these words, he's leading churches, and he's helping them, and he's speaking into his leadership a little bit, and those that are helping him lead his pastors, and he's speaking into the church, and I just think it's a fascinating portion of Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning verse number 11. He says, Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. Paul has had an experience just like many of us in this room have had an experience where we understood how far away we are from God, how our sin has gotten us there, and how only Jesus and his work on the cross and his resurrection can get us into God's presence and experience salvation. And so he's like, man, we want to persuade everybody of what we've been persuaded of. We want everybody to know what we know and to experience what we've experienced. He goes on to say, God knows we're sincere. And I hope you know this too. Verse 12, are we commending ourselves to you again? No. In other words, he's like, I'm not here to promote myself, but as I am a leader, let me say a few things. He says, no, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. And so Paul is speaking so much here about attitude and about motive. And he says, man, it all ought to come, whether you're a pastor or just a follower of Jesus, doesn't matter who you are, if you belong to Jesus, we ought to do what we do 
out of a sincere heart for the persuasion of others. Verse 13. This is where I really appreciate this. Verse 13. If it seems we are crazy, sometimes as a leader, no matter what role you fill, whether it's in politics or the church or in business or whatever, sometimes people call you crazy. Now we're supposed to laugh just a little bit right there. It, it happens. It happens. Some of you right now call our president crazy. Some of you a president ago were calling the president crazy, right? You see what I'm saying? If you're in a position of leadership, people analyze everything you do, and they think they've got it all figured out. The guy three rows up for me, he thought he had the ball game all figured out. I'm like, you need to be the head coach, buddy. Man, if they just go with what you say, man, you know, and he's up there, man, coach, what are you, crazy? I mean, just yelling, you have two timeouts left, just going for it. It's like, man, yeah, you... So Paul is recognizing that as he leads and as he steps out front and says, let's go as God goes, some people are saying, what, what are you doing? Have you lost your mind or are you not with it right here? What are, you, what are you doing? He says, so if it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. So Paul's saying, if I make a decision or we make decisions that don't really make sense to you, you've got to understand that we are doing this out of a sincere heart, not to bring attention to ourselves, but to bring glory to God. And then he goes on. He says, and if we are in our right minds, in other words, if what we do makes sense to you, then he says, it's for your benefit. Verse 14. Either way, whether we seem crazy or whether it seems like we're making good decisions, either way, Christ's love controls us. Now, we got to admit sometimes in politics, we don't really have that peace of mind, right? We don't know who's controlling what. But within the church, Within the context that we are talking about as believers in following Jesus, it is great to know that Jesus truly is in charge. If anybody ever asks you who's in charge then at Holland Chapel, don't you dare use my name. Don't you dare use one of the other pastor's names. Are we the leaders? Are we responsible for a whole lot? Absolutely. But I'm here to tell you, Christ is in charge of this church. He's in control. We look to his word. We do our best to follow him. Sometimes we may seem a little bit crazy. Sometimes we seem like we're in our right minds. But ultimately, it's to persuade people and to get people pointed to Jesus. Either way, Christ's love constrains us. Since we believe, so it's bringing us together. This is a moment of unity for us. This is what we all as believers definitely do agree on. Here's what it says. And if you want to like amen or grunt or like, uh-huh, or be like, oh, yeah, or be like, I believe that too. If you want to say something, this would be a great time to say something. Not because I'm saying anything, but because what we're about to read. Okay, look. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all. Great amen spot right, right there. We also believe that we have all died to our old life. Some of you are like, wait a minute, i got to think about that one, right? Here's what that's saying, believers. We're not who we used to be. We're somebody new in Jesus now. We've left that stuff behind, and he is shaping us and changing us and transforming us. Go on now, verse 15. Some more good amen stuff, by the way. He died for everyone. I'll just pause and give you a good moment right there. If it's not everyone, then it's not me. Are you with me? If he only died for a select few, I don't think I make the list. I don't think I make the cut. But he died for everyone. 
everyone. So that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. If you can't get up on that one and say amen, then we just, you know. So I'm going to read that one more time. They live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Mm, Word of God. That's where we come together today, right? That's what we all as part of this church wholeheartedly agree on. Jesus died. He died for everyone. He didn't stay dead, but he came back from the dead three days later. And that's where we find our hope, and that's where we find our salvation. That is who we worship. That is why we worship, and that is why we move forward. Look now to verse number 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. In other words, we've matured. We've grown up. We don't look at people the way we used to look at people. We used to look at you and see how you dressed or what you drove or what you lived or what your skin color was or what your education was. Now we look at people, and whether you wear blue or whether you wear maroon, we see your heart. We see your soul, right? Even if you're on the outcast and you're like part of Harmony Grove or Bauxite, we see your soul. We see your soul, amen? We want, we, we want everyone. We want everyone just like Jesus wanted everyone. Some of y'all are like, where are the tomatoes now? We, we see people for who they really are, right? We see people for who they really are. It says, at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. We just didn't get it. We thought he's just another guy. We thought he had a neat story. We thought maybe he was a great humanitarian or a great magician or a great whatever. But, but now we, we see him differently. This is how differently we know him now. Like we don't just see him now. We, we know him now. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our rescuer. He is the one that has forgiven us of our sins. And we believe that he can forgive anyone and everyone of their sins too if they will simply ask him. Verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Verse 18. All of this is a gift from God. What's he saying? You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. He gave it to us. Free. We're seeing grace here. Grace is God giving us something that we do not deserve. And that's what Jesus is. He's grace, the full embodiment of it. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us, who? Me, you, all of the rest of our friends and family that have believed in him. He's brought us back to himself. Be reminded right now, church, that if you know Jesus, it's not because you're a good person. It's not because you go to church. It's not because you went to church. It's not because you went to a class. It's not because you give. I could keep the list going of all kinds of good things that we ought to do, but it's not the reason why we know God. He brought us back to himself. He is the one that rescued us. He is the one that has made us who we are. Again, it goes on there to say, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us, who? Us. Everybody say us. Given us this task. This task of reconciling people to him. Connecting people who are far away from God back to him. How does it happen for them? The same way it happened for us through Jesus and through Jesus alone. So when we point people to God, the only way they can get there is the way we got there, and that is through Jesus 
and Jesus alone. This ministry, this task of reconciling people. Verse 19, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. This is huge. No longer counting, no longer counting people's sins against them. Think about that for just a moment. Anybody here done any bad stuff? Now let me follow that up. How many people in here have done a lot of bad stuff? Yeah, yeah. Like four of us are waving our hands, and the rest of us should be. Some of you just lied, you know what I'm saying? And like we're in church, we're good people. We Jesus died for what? Our sins, which were many. And it's ugly. And he says, listen, I'm going to let Jesus die for you. And because of Jesus, I'm no longer going to count your sins against you. You're no longer going to have to pay for all the ugly things that you have done. Hell is no longer your destination. Heaven is now your destination because you've placed your faith and you've experienced forgiveness. This is beautiful, beautiful stuff that we have experienced that we want other people to experience. He goes on there in verse number 19. It says, and he gave us this wonderful message. Here it is again, of reconciliation, connecting people to God through Jesus. That's what all of us have been given, church. Verse 20, so we are, everybody say we are. We are Christ's ambassadors. If you want to figure out who you are, the Word of God just told you who you are if you're a believer. You're an ambassador of Christ. You're a representative of Christ. You're supposed to go out and speak the words of Jesus. You are supposed to go out and do the actions of Jesus. We are supposed to go out and be good representatives of Him as He gives us power. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. Do you realize that every single day that you are living and breathing, God's plan for you is to make an appeal through you to people who haven't experienced forgiveness and haven't experienced salvation yet for us to say on behalf of Christ, come back to God. Some people are looking at our lives and they're hearing our words and they're hearing our conversations, they're hearing our language, and we are saying, stay away from God. We are just like everybody else. But our ministry as believers is to live in such a way and represent Christ in such a way and serve in such a way and love in such a way and share in such a way that our lives say to the world, come back to God. We're different and you can be different too. Come back to God. Come back to God. Verse 21, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I want you to read verse 21 with me. We just read it. I want you to read it with me. Here we go. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Beautiful passage. God's heart spoken into ours. The, the way we word it here and... 
you know, like ultimately what we're doing when we say this, we're taking what we just read here. We're taking what Jesus gave us at the end of Matthew and the book beginning of Acts. And the way we word it here is this. Our mission, okay, our purpose, why we do what we do. It's going to come on the screen for you. Our mission is to help people who are far away from God find the way to him. Who knows the way to God? Anybody? You know the way to God? What's his name? Jesus. Find the way to him so they can do the same for others. We want to share this so it can be shared, so it can be shared, so it can be shared, so it can be shared. We want people to experience forgiveness. We want them to go out and tell other people about their forgiveness. We want people to experience Jesus so they can go out and tell other people about Jesus. And as we are sharing and loving people in the name of Jesus, that is what happens. So what we want to do right now is talk about some practical ways that we do this. Some practical ways that we do this. Again, why we do what we do. Because some of these things, if we don't explain them, you may just say, well, they're just kind of crazy. That didn't make any sense. But I think as we explain a few things, and I can just keep the list going, but we shorten this thing down to talk about some things that we do that are very, very practical, okay? Um, the first one I want to talk about, why we do what we do. It's so simple. I think all of you can be like, yeah, I know why we do that, but I want to make sure you know why. We have a welcome team. Well, you said it was going to be practical, right? Yeah, it's practical. We have people that show up early. They go out front hot, cold, or nice. They put a smile on their face, and they say hello. They hop on a red golf cart, and they drive around like silly people saying, well, you want to hop on and get a ride. Why? Because we think people that show up here, whether they show up here every week or whether it's their first time here, they are important. And we want them to know. We want you to know. We want your friends to know. We want your neighbors to know that when they come here, they are important. Now, let me clue you in on something. If you come to Holland Chapel, like this is where you come, this is where you worship, this is where you go, this is where you praise God, this is where you open the word of God, you are on our welcome team. So we need you to do a couple things. We need you to smile. Go ahead and practice. Where's Robert Parsons at? If we need an example... That is our example. His grandson's with him this morning. I said, man, this guy, I pointed at Robert. I said, you can't get this guy to smile or laugh for anything, can you? And his grandson just started laughing. Some of us, it comes natural, right? We're just, hey, how you doing? For some of us, we're a little bit more of, I didn't have my coffee yet, right? It matters how we interact with people. They say, and I think it's true, that the first five minutes of someone being on the property of a church on Sunday morning are the most crucial five minutes. The first five minutes, people many times make up their minds. Well, they ought to be more spiritual than that. No, they shouldn't. They probably don't know Jesus yet. They're just showing up to find out whether we're normal or not. They're showing up to find out whether we are nice or not. And they can figure it out in about the first five minutes. Now, I'm about to share something with you, and it's not, to, um, it's not to get on to you. It's not to beat you up. It's not to make you feel bad. It's just to make you aware. Uh, I had some friends of mine that are from out of town that were here at church a few weeks ago. I didn't know they were coming. They slipped in. It was great. They're family. And they came in. They were first-time guests. Obviously, they love Jesus, and they're, they're great. But anyway, uh, they got welcomed by our welcome team, and they said that was great. And I asked them later, like, how'd it go? And they sat kind of back in that section over there. And I'm not pointing anybody out in that section because you probably weren't there on that Sunday probably, but they sat kind of back in that section right there. And they said, but once we got into the worship center, they said, nobody else spoke to us. Nobody else spoke to us. 
Now, let me tell you what's going on in that moment, okay? There are a lot of new people in our church. That's another thing you can say amen about and celebrate. It's a really, really good thing, and we're so glad we got a lot of new people in our church. Amen? So here's what I think happened on that day. I think new people sat around new people. That's what I really think happened. And or new people sat around newer people, and all of you looked around at each other and like, well, I'm pretty new, and I assume they've been here a long time. And I think the other person thought the other thing, right? So new or old doesn't make any difference. Like if you've been here a few times, just do us a favor. Smile. Say hello. It will go miles in what we experience as a church. So just be mindful of that. Some of you that have been around here a long time, you're like, well, I don't know if they're new or not. Well, just still smile and say hello. Well, how do I know whether they've been coming or not? Well, you don't have to just say, my name is, introduce yourself. You could go with this line. I don't think we've met yet. And just introduce yourself. If you've met them before, they are not going to be offended that you're introducing yourself to them for the second time. That just means you care about people. It just means you care about people. So everybody's on our welcome team. Kudos to those that show up early and get out there. And maybe you want to be a part of that and help us with that. Next thing, communication cards. These, these yellow things right here. Okay? Every week, Luke or Grant or Nick or somebody stands up and says, Hey, when you came in, you probably received a program. Pull out your communication card. And um, we're asking you to fill that out right now. All right? Some of you, in that moment, look at people like me, and you say, I've been coming here longer than you've been alive. <laughs> and that's true for some of you. And we love you. Uh, we, <laughs> we do. But let me tell you how important it is for you to fill this out. Do we already have your information if you've been coming here longer than we, I've been alive? Probably. Okay? If you've been coming here any amount of time at all, we've, we've probably got information on you. But let me tell you why this is important, okay? We want to connect with our new guest. We really want to connect with our new guest. If they fill this out, there is a greater chance of us being able to connect with them. There are several ways that we connect with them. I'll just go ahead and tip you off. One of the ways we connect with them, if somebody fills this out as a first-time guest and they turn this in, we send them a Chick-fil-A gift card. I think the communication cards are coming out right now, and you're filling them out. Some of you that have been here longer than I've been alive, you're going to say, this is the first time that I have filled out this. We just want to be kind to them. Now, how, how do you factor into that? Why would you fill one out? You're not going to get a Chick-fil-A card, right? If everybody in the room's filling them out, the people who are brand new are going to realize that's just what we do right now. If we said, hey, would you please stand while we worship and only four of you stood up, do you think the first time folks would stand up? No. They'd be like, I'm not doing that. Right? We, we stand up and we participate. If we're physically able, we do that. Communication card. If they see you doing it, some of you get really creative too, and it's pretty fun. You can get creative on there. If we know who you are, somebody the other week said pray for their dinosaur hunt or something. I don't know what was going on. They were just being a little funny. But, but it's important. Okay, And then you drop it in the offering bucket at the end. When they see you drop yours in, it reminds them to drop theirs in. Okay, So here's what I'm saying to you. Everyone fill out a card every week. Some of you are praying right now because you're going to have writer's cramp, right? I mean, it's just going to be. Everyone, every week, 
fill out a card and drop it in. Why? Because that guest that you've been loving and praying for, and they finally come, there's a greater chance of us being able to connect with them on a church level if you do that. And we really, really appreciate it. Next thing I want to talk about, and i got to speed up, HC Kids, our ministry of HC Kids, okay? Let me give you the why behind what we do in HC Kids Ministry. We do HC Kids Ministry so kids can learn about Jesus at church, We do HC Kids Ministry so parents can learn about kids at church. And we do HC Kids Ministry so parents can go home and teach their children about Jesus. You see, we're partnering in this deal. We as believers don't bring our kids to church so that they will learn about Jesus. We bring our kids to church so they will learn about Jesus more because we as believers are teaching our kids about Jesus at home. Amen? Parents, listen to me. Moms, dads. Tell your kids what you know about Jesus. Well, I don't know a lot about Jesus. Well, let's learn more about Jesus and let's share him with them. It's growing fast. Mallory Elledge is our new kids ministry director. She's doing great. She's knocking it out of the park. I'll be frank with you. We need help on Sunday mornings with HC Kids Ministry. It is swelling in numbers, and it's awesome, and it's wonderful, but we need more of you to consider serving on Sunday mornings in HC Kids Ministry. I'm going to explain how that looks And I want to give you a magic number, if you will, okay? Here's what we're looking for. We're looking for 35 adults, 35 of you, that would say, yes, I want to help our church share Jesus with kids so that parents can learn more about Jesus, so that parents can go home and teach their kids more about Jesus. Let me give you a quick idea of what that looks like. Some questions for you may be asking. Does that mean every Sunday I won't be in here, but I'll be in kids' ministry? No, it doesn't mean that. Approximately once a month or less you would serve in kids' ministry on Sunday morning. Do I have to teach? No, you don't have to teach. Um, There are people that teach. There's a lot of other different roles that you can fill and that you can work in in kids' ministry and not have to teach. Which age group would I get? Would I get babies? Would I get preschool? Would I get elementary? Sign up first and you'll probably get to pick. You'll probably get to pick anyway. you probably get to pick anyway. There's a lot of babies, a lot of preschoolers, a lot of elementary kids in our church and we love it. Again, why? So kids can learn about Jesus at church. So parents can learn about Jesus at church. So parents can teach their kids about Jesus at home. And again, parents, we are partnering with you in pointing your kids to Jesus. When they come here, it ought to affirm what they've been hearing about Jesus from you. Okay? When they go home, you ought to be saying things that affirm what they're learning about Jesus here. Uh, yesterday was a really um, special day in our home yesterday morning. Um, one of our kids that we've been talking to a lot lately about Jesus and placing faith in um, gave their heart and life to Jesus and a saving faith. And I just want to say thank you to all the HC Kids ministry people that have served because you helped us point our kid to Jesus. We, we partnered in that. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you want to help in that, man, it'd be a great place to serve. Some other things I want to quickly share with you that we do and why we do it. Again, I know it's really practical, but this stuff matters because of the bigger thing, okay? Because of the bigger thing. We give you giving options. We give you giving options. I know, especially when we first started this, a lot of people are like, why are we doing that? 
We give options to give within our gathering. The offering buckets pass, and you can give cash, you can give check, you can be very, very generous in that. We also have a text to give uh, option that you'll see on the screen later. You also can go online and give, and or you can set up automated giving. Why do we do that? Because we want you all who we believe have generous hearts and you're proving it all the time to be able to give and to share the way God wants you to do that. We are through seven months of this year, which is also our physical year. And at the end of our seven months, we have not only met in giving our budget, we have exceeded um, budget with our giving. And so thank you for your generosity. What are we going to do with all that extra money? We got a plan for it. We believe you're going to be generous this year. We really did. Everything that's given over and beyond budget this year is going to go towards a building fund and towards church planting, and it's just going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. Another thing you've heard us talk about before and I want to remind you of, want to share with you, and this is this idea of invest and invite. Here's what we mean by invest and invite. Invest in people. Your neighbors, your friends, your family members that are not in church your friends, your family members, your relatives, your, your neighbors that, that have not placed faith in Jesus yet. We want you to love them. We want you to serve them expecting nothing in return. We want you to pray for them. We call that investing in them. That just shows that we care. And as God has given you opportunity to invest in them, then we want you to take the opportunity to invite them to church. We want you to take the opportunity to invite them to Jesus. And guess what? You have been investing in your friends. You have been inviting your friends. And the reason why I know that's true is because a bunch of them are here right now. And you've loved on them. And you've been incredibly, incredibly kind in sharing Jesus and sharing your heart with others. So I just want to say thank you to you as a church for loving people and inviting them. As a result, our attendance has grown. I'm going to talk about numbers in just a moment really quick. Again, very practical. Again, our kids ministry has grown. Our kids ministry has grown to the point that we are, with kids ministry, we are really out of space. If anybody's ever served in the nursery, you're going to nod your head at that one. Right? You've been in the nursery with all those babies? We love all those babies, but there's a lot of babies. There's just a lot of them. What are we going to do with all of them? Because y'all keep making babies, and praise God for that. <laughs> praise God for that. It's wonderful. You keep bringing your friends that have babies. You keep bringing your friends that have preschoolers, and you keep bringing your friends that have elementary school-age kids, and we want you to do that. We want you to do that. We don't want you to stop. We don't want you to stop and we don't want new people to stop coming. But we're getting low on seats. This is a day to point it out. Like, you may see a seat or two around you, but I don't know if you've ever walked into a full church building before and it was your first time. It's very, very intimidating and overwhelming. People get very uncomfortable when you exceed the 80% mark of your capacity. We do that almost every Sunday at our church. But we want your friends and your neighbors that you're investing in and inviting to continue to come. So we, your pastors, are working on the assumption that you want what we want. We want more people to come to church, and we want more people to come to Jesus. Is that a correct assumption about you, church? Like, that's what you want to? Is that a correct assumption? Okay. I was pretty sure we were right on that one. I didn't think you'd call us crazy on that one, all right? Pretty sure that's what you wanted to. And so uh, we've just been praying a lot and trying to figure out, well, how do we do this with space issues? Um, as many of you know, 
We're in a process right now to determine what the future looks like facilities-wise in our church. It's an exciting process. It's also a process that's very, very important for us as a church, and it's a process that we are not in a hurry in. We are not in a hurry in. Why? Because we want to make really wise choices. Because no matter how we do it, I'll just be very blunt with you, it's going to be very expensive choices that we believe as God leads us, he will provide for. We believe that with all of our heart. And so that's happening, and we believe that God's taking us where we need to get there, and we believe that we will get there. But with that being said, and knowing that even if we snapped our fingers, nothing's going to happen tomorrow, what do we do now? What's our next best step to allow for continued immediate growth that is happening and that God is blessing us with here at our church? So I want to share something with you that we know is going to make every person uncomfortable. Wait a minute, I thought I showed up today to get patted on the back, tell how good I was doing and going home, and now we're talking about uncomfortable. Well, there's several versions of uncomfortable. One version of uncomfortable is people sitting in your lap. <laughs> we just don't think that's really the direction we ought to go. I think that could get really weird really fast, and more than uncomfortable, uh, it could get very, very strange. So we don't have all the answers yet for this next step. But we want to provide the idea for you and understand that we're in the process of figuring out all the answers and know that it's a very, very big deal. So what we've really come to the conclusion with, with prayer and a lot of consideration, that what we need to do in the near future is we need to offer two Sunday morning worship gatherings, two services. Now, again, the word that I think best describes this right now for all of us is uncomfortable. And what you've got to understand is not only does that make it uncomfortable for you, it makes it very uncomfortable for your pastors too because at the very least it makes double duty on Sunday morning and probably three or four times the amount of questions we normally have to field, right? Kids ministry, wow, we're processing all that. How does that look and how does that work? A lot of questions, but here's what we know. If we offer two opportunities for you to worship, more space for you to continue to invest in your friends and invite them to, we believe that God can continue to further our church. Here's some things that we do know, okay? The last six weeks have been the highest attended span since the month of Easter. And I don't know if you know what the last two months have been, but the middle of summer, the middle of summer, everybody will tell you, churches don't grow in the summer, and you guys have just been incredible. In July and through August to this point, we've averaged 557. That's huge. Four out of eight months this year, we've averaged over 600 in Sunday morning. Absolutely huge. Fall is coming. School is already back in. Fall is normally a natural time for church growth where people are getting settled back in. Kids space, we're averaging about 110 kids fourth grade down. Some of you 35 that were thinking about that are rethinking that right now. Just another reason why we need you. And the more people that serve, the easier all that gets. But again, space, it's a lot of babies. It's a lot of kids. Our space is not able to handle many more. When will we do this? We don't have an answer for you. We just want to share this with you today very openly and honestly and candidly and say we think this is what we need to do. We believe this is what we need to do. You have questions. We still have questions. We feel like we can figure that out together and allow God to help us continue to move forward. So this is definitely one of those moments where I think Paul experienced people calling him crazy. This may be happening in this moment just a little bit. Some of you are like, how does it? 
But again, we just believe as a church that we can figure this out. We believe that God can move us forward. A couple of questions I will speak into really quick. One is like, how, how do people get connected? How do get people get connected? Well, there are several ways. One big way that people are constantly and very effectively getting connected within our church is through HC groups, small groups. Um, and we believe that if we get people connected there, they have a great, great chance of being connected to our church. And the other question that some people will ask is, well, how will everyone know everyone? Let me just go ahead and let you in on a secret. Everybody in this room doesn't know everybody today, right? And this is not about being bigger. This is not about, you know, just size for size. Again, this is about people. This is about souls, and we want to reach more people. And so if everybody can know somebody and get connected well, and if everybody can know Jesus, we're getting somewhere. Did you hear what I just said? If everybody can know somebody and everybody can know Jesus, we are getting somewhere. And that's what we want to accomplish as God just continues to move and to provide. So, again, why we do what we do. I've got some pictures coming on the screen for you just to remind us of why we do what we do. That's why we do what we do. We want to see people who are not following Jesus to place their faith in Jesus and to become followers of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 says it very, very well. Ephesians chapter 3. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than what we might ask or think. I want to pause right there. I saw Miss Peggy Frost in the hospital last night. Y'all pray for her. She's doing good, but pray for her. She's talking about Amplify. She said, man, it was just great. It was so good. It was so wonderful. She said, too bad we don't have a place in Benton, Arkansas that can just hold all of them. We can do it inside. And she just followed up and said, too bad we don't have a church that's big enough just to hold them all. And I said, Miss Peggy, there was like 50,000 people here. She said, I know. Why not dream big? I thought, oh, me of little faith. I don't even know what that looks like. But anyway, next verse, verse 21. Glory to him and the church. In Christ Jesus, through all generations, forever and ever, amen. So I want to ask you this question, church. What will you do? And I'm not saying you're not doing anything now. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty like you're not serving. A lot of you are serving in so many areas. But maybe God's tapping your heart about something new today. Maybe you're new to our church and you haven't really just said, I'm going to, I'm going to start serving. I want to put these things back on the screen that we just talked about. And there's so many more areas, but these are just areas that just kind of pop right now. Like our welcome team, would it just be interesting to you to show up early, smile, be out there and saying hello? Communication card, that's something for everybody to do. Well, I don't start filling it out every week. That's not hard. Great. That's a huge, huge thing. HC Kids, we're looking for 35 adults. We'd love for you to step up. I'd love, 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 love to go to Mallory and say, got them all. She might lose her mind if we told her that in a good, good way. Invest, invite, man, keep loving on people, keep investing in people, inviting people, considering and praying for this idea of two services, understanding that it makes it uncomfortable for everybody, but we believe that we can figure it out. We believe that we can grow. We believe that we can reach more people. We believe we can bring Jesus more honor and more glory potentially in and through that. And here's this question. What if we all did what we need to do? What if every single person in this room said, this is my church, we said, I'm going to do whatever I need to do. 
Good things happen when everybody does what they need to do. This morning, we want to lift up Jesus above every other name. We want to make him known. Maybe it's your first time, and this is like kind of weird to talk about all this practical stuff, all this stuff on that list. That's not what we're all about. All of that stuff is what we're all about. It's about making Jesus known. And so this morning, we want to lift him up to you and remind him that he died for you, he rose again for you, and he can forever change you. Church, don't forget that. That's our message. That's our mission is to make that known. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing in just a few moments. And during that time, you're going to have an opportunity to respond. Uh, You can come forward and pray with one of our pastors. There's also going to be opportunity to give and or drop in your communication card. And we'd love for you to take advantage of this time to respond to God this morning. So I'm going to pray. After this prayer, we'll stand.